There's a lot of argument about why the Roman Empire fell, and there's many, many different theories about it. And to be sure, any one thing that you pick out could have been a contributor, but it certainly wasn't only one thing. But one thing that gives us an insight into how Rome was weakened from the inside is this process of inspection that the military had each and every day in the time of Christ. In the time of Christ, the legion would line up and then the the, uh, centurions would go through and they would go from man to man and they would just step in front of a man and he would stand there and then as with a robust voice, he would hit himself right in the chest, much harder than that. The, the centurion could tell by the sound of the armor being hit whether everything was in place. If things shook or if stuff rattled or if, as he spoke, the helmet was moving around, the, the centurion could tell right away that something was wrong about how stuff was. But instead, they would stand there and they would, they would go like this and then they would hit their chest really hard, right in the heart, and then they would say out to the centurion, Integritas, integritas, I am whole, I am Rome. And it was this genius that made Rome so unusual. I mean, you, can, you know what battles looked like at that time. Lots of people over here, lots of people over here, ready, Run. And they ran at one another, and whoever had the most people left at the end won the battle. That is not how Rome went about it. Their genius, their power was in the the pack of soldiers that were hooked in together and moved as a unit. This power was coordinated. And at the heart of this, was this discipline of how they started every single day. At the time when Jesus came on the scene, Rome was the undisputed power of the area. And it was primarily their military dominance, not their intellectual prowess. In fact, we have very, very few Roman tunes that are left to us. They left us almost no art, No music, no great speeches compared to other uh, kingdoms that lasted a fraction of the time. Rome left very little of that. They did two things, and they did two things great. They built stuff, and they killed you. But by the fourth century, things are falling apart. There's many reasons to be sure But one general said this, and I'm quoting, when because of negligence and laziness, parade ground drills were abandoned, the customary armor began to feel too heavy since the soldier rarely, if ever, wore it. Therefore, They first asked the emperor to set aside the breastplates and the mail. And then they asked to remove their helmets. 
So this general says, so our soldiers fought the Goths without any protection for the heart and the head and were beaten by archers alone. Although there were many disasters which led to the loss of great cities, no one tried to restore the armor of the infantry. They took their armor off, and when their armor came off, so too came off their integritas, their integrity. Can you imagine? Rome is so effective at keeping the peace that soldiers rarely have conflicts. And so they begin to stop wearing the armor. And as they quit wearing the armor, whenever they put it back on, bless you, it was too heavy. It was too hot. We're about to wrap up our series the unseen, we've talked a little bit in week one about the reality of the battle that goes unnoticed by most of us. Week two, I came back in after Jay and I said, the reality of the enemy is here. And, we, and I shared with you some of the titles of how he is known. His two most famous, the Satan, which means the adversary, and the devil, which means the accuser. Last week, Jay talked about the primary tactic of the enemy, and that is to get you to believe things that are not true. He is a liar and the father of lies, and his primary tactic against us is to try to get us to embrace things that are simply not true. Now we get a chance to take a look today at what God has done on our behalf to allow us to survive, and not just survive, but to succeed in the battle. Now, I want to tell you, we're going to look at a passage in Ephesians 6, and a lot of the time, as by my intro, we put the emphasis on the armor. But actually, I think the most important things in, passage, in the passage actually happened the first, and they happened at the end. So let me pray for us, and then we'll take a look at this passage together. God, thank you for the opportunity to open your word. Would you bless us with the ability to concentrate, to think well, to understand what it might look like to walk in the strength of who you have made us to be and to stand firm in Christ. Use this time for that end and our good. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, here's how the passage starts. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Before I start, it's going to start with this word, finally. Finally. Now, never drop in on a passage. I tell you this all the time. Never drop in on a passage and just start right there. What If you've got some kind of a connector, then what's it connecting to? And finally tells us it's connected. Since I've said all of this, here's one last thing. What has he said? He has basically gone through the, the book of Ephesians, this church that, that Paul loved dearly, a thriving metropolis, very affluent city. And he says, 
the first three chapters, this is who we are because of what Jesus has done. And he talks about how we're chosen, we're adopted, we're redeemed, we're given family status, where grace is lavished on us, not just given to us, but lavished on us. He gets into um, chapter 2 and he says, he, Christ is our peace and it's, we're saved by grace through faith. And then in chapter 4, the shift changes from not just the Christian calling, but now the Christian conduct. How are we to act? And he talks about in, in chapter 4, we can expect to change the reality of Jesus in us, slow to be sure, slower than we want, yes, but change can actually happen. And we can be made like Christ and live a life worthy of Jesus. Then he gets real specific about instructions about this Christian living, and he talks about wives and husbands and children and fathers and, and employees and employers. Then he says, finally, in light of all of that, let me give you some instruction about the unseen world. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that, we can, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. So what he does is he starts to say, here's the command, here's what to do. Be strong. But not just be strong as you, be strong in the Lord, in all that I've just said, Finally, after all of that being true, now you stand strong. You be strong in Christ. And, and how? Put on the armor that's provided you. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Put on that armor that's been provided for you by the work of Christ. Why? Why would I need armor? There's nothing. What, it, it's heavy. It's hot. Why do I have to put it on? Because our struggle is not against flesh and blood. We've looked at this verse already every week so far. It's not against flesh and blood, but it's against these rulers and the powers and authorities that seek to destroy us. Therefore, because of the what and the how and the why, put on the full armor of God. He comes right back to it. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Second time the word stand's been used. But watch this. And after you have done everything, stand. In case you didn't get it, next verse. Stand firm then, four times in less than four verses. He says, stand. It's a, he stay me. It's the word to, um, to set oneself against, to oppose to stand and keep on standing. In one of these, all four of these are the same root word, but the, the second one is stand against. It's got the, pre, uh, the prefix anti, where we get our anti, like against something, stand against it. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and the breastplate of righteousness in place. Now, as he does this, we've got some insight. If you would just do a little study on your own, you could find this out. 
Ephesians, the book of Ephesians was written in prison. Paul's, this is one of the prison epistles that Paul writes a letter while he's in prison. While he's in prison, there is a decent chance, and, it's, and Clifford always wants to push it farther than maybe it is, so you guys temper me, Dana will for sure. I imagine him dictating this letter to someone writing it, and he's staring right at a Roman soldier. In fact, I take it even further than that. I think he's chained to him. And he's looking at that dude and he said, there is the baddest, that, that right there represents the baddest hombres on the planet. And what he's about to say is, as he's looking at that going, I'm badder. And I'm in chains. Because in Christ, I can put on the belt of truth buckled around my waist. He looks up and he says, wow, that's a nice breastplate there, dude. But I wear a breastplate of righteousness. Feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation, and the, which is the sword of the spirit. Um, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. What's the command? Be strong. How do you do that? You put on armor. You realize you're standing in Christ. Why would you do that? Because your struggle is in the unseen world. It's against powers and not against flesh and blood. And then the command then is to stand in this armor and to pray. So I want to take you through. The way I do this is, and again, I, I need a little help with remembering the things. There's six deals. I can remember about none. I can, I can remember, Dane and I have this joke now at home. We can't remember nouns. We can only remember verbs. And so, um, but this helps me. I just say belt, breastplate, shoes, shield, helmet, sword. Belt, breastplate, shoes, shield, helmet, sword. The belt of truth, its main purpose is to bring agility and freedom because it holds all of the pieces of armor in place so you can move. If you've ever tried to wear anything, any kind of protective gear because of a sport, and the armor was way too big and flopping around everywhere or way too small and super restricted, it hindered you, didn't help you. But if you got it fit right with a belt holding everything in place, you're now agile. Now, I don't have time to go through all six of these like this, but I would just ask this question. Where in your life is truth deceived? Where in your life have you embraced something that's not true? John 8 says that if we know the truth, the truth will set us free. Where do you feel restricted, hindered, limited? 
Where are the thoughts that keep coming back into your head? Hebrews 12 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Where is truth deceived? The belt. The breastplate of righteousness. It could, be, could have been scale. It could have been chain. It could have been plated. The Romans were plated. Its main purpose is for you to move forward. Here's the deal. The breastplate doesn't work if you turn and run. It's to move forward, and it's designed to to hinder you from retreating. And you, it is a breastplate of righteousness. So here's my question for you in this. Where is your testimony destroyed? What habit, what action, what a part of your life, how you use your money, how you use your language, how you treat people, how you post things on the internet, how, what part of you is destroying your righteous testimony of Jesus? Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, man, dude, righteous? Really? The scriptures declare that that is what you are. That the righteousness of Christ is placed upon you. The theological term is imputed upon you. You are given the righteousness of Christ in your relationship with God through Jesus. What is going on in your own heart where your testimony is destroyed. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. I know it's a bad plan. I wouldn't entrust the plan of God in our hands either. I wouldn't, but he has. And he's given us the resources to do it. Your question that you ask is, where is my righteous witness destroyed or compromised? Belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness. The shoes that the Roman soldier wore are actually pretty unique. They're the first cleats that we have known in history. They would drive small nails down through where their foot would, would be so that the spikes would come down into the ground. And the main purpose of these military sandals that were called Kalagai is that you could, they're battle cleats, and you would stand your ground. Because here's what's happened. You can imagine, here's this group of soldiers moving side by side, holding their shields together. You'll, we'll get to the shield in a minute. And as they're moving together, what's coming at them? Bunch of wild, crazy people running. They're running at them. And at some point, they're going to just run right into these shields. And when they get ready, they plant their feet in their cleats into the ground and then helping one another brace against it, and they stand firm. It's, the, it's done in unity. It's this gospel of peace. 
Ephesians 2 says, For he himself, Jesus, is our peace. And the context is the division between Jews and Gentiles. And he says his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity without division. So where is your unity divided? Where is, who are the people you have nothing to do with? Where has your judgment been placed? Where have you established boundaries? Where have you divided among the, yourselves? The, the greatest division that Paul could write about in, the known, uh, in their known first century context was the difference between a Gentile and a Jew. It was incredible hatred. And, and he says, Jesus came to just bust out that dividing wall and remove it. So belt, breastplate, shoe, where is peace divided in you? Next is the shield. I think we're actually going to get this in time. The shield is not one of those round ones that you hold on your arm and things. It's a large shield, very large, usually at least two and a half feet long. And it's made to connect with other shields. I mean, you would, when they came at you, you can imagine that as they marched, it would look like this. And then when the battle ensued, they'd interconnect with each other and cover one another. Show the next picture that where they would be taken care of. And then there's legions on each side of them kind of watching over them. I love, I, I, this is the movie Gladiator. Don't judge me for, I, I like it. Okay. But there's a, there's a scene in there where the slaves are in the arena and these other folks come out in chariots and the odds are all stacked against them. But the hero of the movie gets all the slaves to grab their shields and work together and put them side by side. And of course, they win the battle because they work together. The big emphasis here is, is this faith, this, this shield that we have of faith that extinguishes the attacks that come our way. But the understanding Paul had of this shield was one that would be working in harmony with other shields around it. You've heard me say this before. The power of the wolf is the pack. Otherwise, it's just a big dog. The power of the shield is the shields are Sure, it's helpful to have one, but it becomes unstoppable when it's connected with people all around it. This is something that we've been saying here a long time. Christianity is not hard to do alone. It's impossible. And the context of this armor is that you are in context with other folks. We're putting this weekend as a great weekend for you to go out. And I, I was asked to wear this shirt right before the service um, so that you could understand it. We are pushing as hard as we can push, lovingly, kindly, I hope. But we think you should be in life group. We, we just believe you're going to be stronger. You're going to be better. Christianity is going to be more formed in you. If you'll do life with some other people of like-minded pursuits. So we do our best around here to try to get you to move towards life groups. Today is the weekend is the time when you start getting ready for that. They're going to launch soon. 
I know you, maybe you've tried it before and it was, didn't go good. Somebody had a cat. You're allergic to cats. Whatever. You know, what if you, what if you got up to heaven and um, Jesus said, you know, you did pretty good, but you had a lot of struggles and it's because you were always isolated on your own. What was up with that? You said, well, I was allergic to cats, Jesus. I, didn't, I couldn't really do the life group thing. What do you think? Is that going to float? That ain't going to float. So we can find you a group without a cat <laughs> or without other things. I could give you a thousand examples of some life groups. Anyway, the shield of faith. So we got the belt, the breastplate, the shoes, the shield, the shield of faith. Where is your faith doubted? Where is your community around you? Hebrews 11:6, with the importance of faith, it says, without faith it is impossible to please God. Impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Trusting God's character. Psalm 84, for the Lord God is a sun and a shield. You can trust in God's word. 2 Peter 1, his divine power has given us everything we need for godliness through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. What, what knowledge? Through these he has given us the very great and precious promises of his word. And you can trust in God's timing. You can, don't doubt. He knows what he's doing. I know it seems like he's late. He's just rarely early. Jeremiah 29, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Belt, I hope you're doing this in your own mind because you're going to have to do this in just a second. We're gonna, we don't grade on the curve. We just embarrass you if you can't do it. So belt, breastplate, shoes, shield, helmet of salvation. Main purpose is to protect one of the most vulnerable areas of our body. To go into war without a helmet would be silliness. And ours is a helmet of salvation. 1 Thessalonians 5, 8 and 9 says, But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the question for you. Where is your grace discouraged? Where is, where is it so inside of you that you've got to earn somebody's favor? It might be a friend. It might be a spouse. It might be a child. It might be a coworker. It might be God himself. And he would declare, the salvation I extend to you is by grace and grace alone through faith. You cannot earn it. You do not deserve it. Just accept it. You're totally forgiven. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he, he forgives us. He's faithful to forgive us. Psalm 103, he does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. And we're totally secure in that love. Romans 8, 
I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, nor present nor future, any powers, neither the height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. That's a catchphrase in case, in case you're trying to figure out some way to wiggle in. We'll be able to separate us from the love of God. The helmet of salvation that is ours, it is based on Christ's work and we are secure in that. The belt, the breastplate, the shoes, the shield, the helmet, the sword. The sword of the Spirit, its main purpose is to cut down enemy as they get close. It's not a big, long sword. It doesn't take two hands to hold it. It's actually pretty short. And it would slide out between the shields as the enemies ran in to try to stop you. And we do this with the, with the power of the word of God. This takes us back, remember in Matthew, when we looked at the temptation of Jesus and the enemy Satan. The Satan kept bringing these accusations against and telling these lies. And each time Jesus quoted the scriptures. This is what I would ask you is where is the word disclaimed? Where are there promises made to you that you're just saying, ah, oh, yeah, that's for everybody else. That's just not for me. That's for the pastors because they're professional. They're good. They get paid to be good. But that's not for us. Where is the word of God disclaimed? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, the word of God is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. Penetrates even to dividing the soul and the spirit joints and marrow and judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. I love this verse in Psalm 119. How can, a, how can a person keep their way pure? By keeping it according to your word. And then skipping to verse 11, it says, Your word I have treasured into my heart that I might not sin against you. What role does the word of God have in your life? How much of it is being embraced outside of your time here? Yes, it's good to be here. It's good to proclaim the truth that we just sang. It's good to hear the teachings of the scripture. But the, the, it's almost like Christianity has taken the only other application for scripture is to find a really cute little verse and put it on some plaque and hang it in our bathroom. But instead, it's the sword. All the other pieces of armor do not take the enemy out. It's the sword that does that. It's the word of God. Where is the word of God disclaimed? And then finally, again, the emphasis is not so much on the pieces of the armor. It's just an overall saying that says, this is how you stand. This is how you stand firm and you be strong in the Lord. This thing is provided for you. These things are allowed for you. But don't forget Ephesians 6, 18, and pray in the Spirit. Now, when should you pray? Watch for the word all and every and those kinds of words. Watch this. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and all kinds of requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. A theologian named Theodet, Theodoret, said this, those who have wars continually pressing on them do not even sleep. Therefore, the holy apostle tells them under conditions of battle to keep awake and pray constantly, not giving in to the pains of the body, but to bear them with the utmost fortitude. That sounds like an old dude, doesn't it? 
Because what's the Western mind say? Wait a minute. It's okay to take a nap. And it is okay to take a nap. But you should pray. You should pray on all occasions. Because we live in a war zone. Here's the good news, and we've said this each week. I hope you've you've gotten it. We do not fight for victory. We fight from victory. And the armor is placed on us so that we can know we have the truth. We have righteousness. We have the gospel of peace. We have faith. Salvation is ours. And we have the word of God. And it might be that one of the things that you might do this week is you just work through the pieces. Belt, righteous, uh, breastplate, shoes, shield, helmet, sword. You just get those and you just remind yourself, this is who I am. Not because I go to a certain church or that I'm American. Because of what Jesus has done for us. And he's not left us without the kinds of resources we need to have victory in this life. We don't fight for victory. We fight from it. Colossians chapter 2 says that Jesus has disarmed the powers and authorities and he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. And James 4, the promise, submit yourselves then, or in Paul's language, stand firm and be strong. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Now, I know it's a lot. It's a lot of pieces of stuff. It's a lot of things to grasp. So let me just review it as we kind of set up for communion. Let's use those pieces of armor just to do an inventory of our own life. Can you strike your heart this morning and say, integrity, integrity, I'm whole. Not that you're without sin. That's, not the, that's never the requirement. That's why Jesus came. Don't buy into all that bull. That's just bull. That's a lie. Is there a truth to claim? Is there a lie to renounce in your life? Is there a behavior to stop? Or maybe a behavior to start? Is there a relationship in your life that needs reconciled? Are you at peace? Does your faith need to be recommitted or maybe embraced for the first time? Maybe you're here and you realize, you recognize that you're under all of these kinds of things and you'd love to have the resources that Christ provides. It comes only through relationship with him. Only there. So is there a faith that needs to be embraced or recommitted to? Are there thought patterns in your mind that need to be renounced? And are there promises in the word of God that need to be embraced? As we take communion, it's an opportunity for us to celebrate the reality of the victory that we have.
but we're warned very strictly in the Scriptures that we wouldn't take the elements it just in a flippant, thoughtless way. And so I would encourage you just to ask those questions. Now, six questions again. Who can remember those? So let me just go through them again. A truth or to claim or a lie to renounce, a behavior to stop, relationship to reconcile, a faith that needs to be committed to, thought patterns that you need to renounce, and word of God that needs to be embraced. If one of those is ringing true to you, you stay in your seat and you talk to God about it. If there's in your mind right now something that you've done or haven't done or that you need to start doing, as you think that through, just confess. He's not looking for perfection. Sin is not the enemy. Unconfessed sin in the Christian's life, that's the enemy. That's, that's the brutal killer. So we want to give you an opportunity to make sure that you do some business with God beforehand. And then there's going to be elders and pastoral staff at the stations as you come, and they'll serve you the elements when you come forward. I'd invite, as we start to sing, if you elders and pastoral staff, if you've been given a spot, Mark gave you one, then you get there real quick. All right, let me pray for us. Wow, God, this is a lot of stuff. We're grateful for every piece, every piece of armor you've provided for us. We, we know we need it all to be able to stand firm. And so now, can we change our focus? Holy Spirit, can you begin to speak in a way where we'll, we'll recognize really clearly a next step that we need to take? whether it's a, a truth to claim or a behavior to stop or a lie we've embraced, a Bible verse that's come to our mind that we need to, we need to make a part of our daily life. Whatever it is, Jesus, you work in great and mysterious ways. We want to give you permission to do that. And as you do, would you give us the courage to stand firm and be strong in you? Help us to be people. And when all is said and done, we are people who stand in you. Strong because of the work of Christ. Now use this time of communion. Bring Christ to the forefront to recognize that all is, all is possible because of his great work for us. And we thank you for him and the chance to celebrate his death and resurrection together in Jesus' name.